Where's everyone? You know what? You know what? I don't just check in enough. Yeah. I don't just check in enough. Laura, how are you? And I sincerely am asking. Oh, you're sincerely asking. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm lovely. I'm a little bit a little bit overworked as ever because I, I keep putting projects on my plate. Like coming up, yeah. But I'm doing good. It's it's very hot here. It's it's hot enough that like things in the kitchen are melting of their own accord. It's just starting to melt in the kitchen. It's it's very warm. I've heard that. I've heard things are warm in the UK. It is too warm for Britain, and everyone is very tired because of the heat. Yeah, and most of y'all don't even have air conditioning out there. No, we do not. No. I, I've, I've given in today and I've put a fan on in the room, and it's not really helping. It's just circulating the heat around, but that's where I'm at today. How about you, Conrad? I'm sincerely asking how you're doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, can't complain too much. Um... Uh, by the time people are listening to this, I'll have turned 41 years of age. Fuck! <gasps> yeah, uh, I'm busy, got a lot of irons in the fire, working on a bunch of projects. Had some really good ideas that I, I'm thinking about exploring. Uh, my dad died. Um, yeah, things are going good. Did I lose you guys? <laughs> No, 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 just processing a bit of what you said, because I hadn't been told. Oh, yeah, no, I've been super busy. Super busy. Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah, I'll tell you about some of the ideas I'd have. I mean, they're not really podcast-appropriate stuff, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off guard. Mm. Video games? Yeah. Yeah. We have some some of them. Yeah. Uh, What do you want? What video game do you want to talk about? No one asked me how I was. Just saying. What oh. video game do we want to talk hey, about? I no, asked you how you were doing. Of you. Hey, oh, hey, let's just talk hey, about ourselves hey. all podcast long. Hey, hey. I asked how you were doing before the show because I wasn't doing it performatively. Wow. Oh. Laura, I've always felt you were a friend. <laughs> the only one I've got. Oh, no. I was going to blow up that way whether you asked me or not. I, I was... I didn't have a bit to start this podcast with. I thought oh, I'd better ask them how they are, give me some time. And then I was like, I'll just blow up at them when they're done talking about themselves, like selfish bastards. Hey, you're both very good friends and I love you both. Oh. I'm glad you're all keeping busy. Yeah. Yeah. How we are. There's video games this week. Yes. They, they happened. God, yes. Oh, God, so many video game oh, happened. No. Who's got one what they want to do talk about? I did play a bunch of games. You played a bunch of games. Tell us about a game. I did play a bunch of games. So I uh, I played more of that Snake RX, and I've been told that that's how you're supposed to pronounce it and not Snakers, as I pronounced it last week. And... Yeah. I mean, the game's great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I played it on the stream. I, I looped it multiple times. It, it, you can get some ridiculously fun builds. It's super cool. I really just bring it up because I think Snake RX is a terrible name. You are not a pharmacist snake. <laughs> if you were a pharmacist snake, that would be a great name for the game. I think you should call it Snakers. Yeah. Hey, you you don't know that the upgrades you're getting aren't uh, medicinal in nature. Well, there is an alchemist in there. Yeah. There one. The game is named after them. <laughs> is there a stick that the snake can curl up a bit? Cuz I mean you you've got half of a rod of Asclepius. You're, yeah, you're almost out of caduceus. No, not so much. But the game's fun. It, it it it's 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 still fun. I'm 
still playing it a bit, um, even though I've now finished it, technically speaking. It, it, it's, in, it's greatly enjoyable. I like my little minimalist roguelikes. And that fit the bill. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I started playing it, like, a very small amount. I haven't had much time to put into it, but... Yeah, it's real nice. Uh-huh. I super appreciate the the recommendation. Uh, you really can't go wrong at that price. No, it is no. it's a real interesting little game. Well, what's cool is when you loop. Uh, every time you loop, it increases difficulty um, on the twenty five levels that you play. But it also lets you add another segment to your snake. Mm. Uh, and you could also new game plus once you loop instead, and just get that extra added on but from the beginning which is still more challenging in its own right because when you're looping your characters are all probably leveled yeah and getting all your bonus effects and all that stuff at the early game you can overextend yourself very easily by buying too many snake segments and it's just easier to move when you're smaller so there's a little cost benefit analysis but yeah it's fun and you can get to have a real long snake that does ridiculously powerful stuff I like it. Good. I saw you stream it. I, saw, I watched you stream that, and yeah, it looks like a fun little thing. It should come to more platforms. I, I think it's only uh, on PC and Google Play. Put it on Switch. Put it yeah, on Switch. Yeah, get it on Switch. Hell yeah, all the time. Yep. I want to pl- play little games like that on a handheld form factor, which currently the Switch is my best solution for, but... Oh, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe next year be. there'll be other options for that yep. for PC games in a handheld format, maybe. You, you never know. You never know. Maybe we'll talk about options like that later. There could be some options. Yeah. There could indeed be some options. Oh, uh, where do I want to start on what I've played this week? I'm going to talk about fucking Pokemon Unite. There we go. I watched you yeah. play this for like an hour and a half today. Is it pay to win? It's not pay to win, but it is a game marketed at children age 7 plus with the Pokemon license that in the Pokemon company's own email, they say it's brand for children. It's a brand for children. Oh my god, it is such a fucking convoluted, confusing mess of microtransaction economies. Oh my god, no. There are five different currencies in that game? What? Five? There are five different currencies, multiple different storefronts. It gets real confusing real fast. Right, I'm downloading this shit right now. I need to check this out. Yeah, there is coins that you unlock during play that can be spent on new characters... There are tickets that can be used for buying items. There are gems, your premium purchase currency. There's an energy currency that you pump into a machine to redeem loot boxes, essentially. But you can't buy the loot boxes, but you can buy extra energy for the machine that will let you unlock more loot box openings. It's... Yes, it is paid loot boxes with so many steps of convolution. With the laundering, yeah. I couldn't work out how money became loot boxes. I was like, I'm pretty certain it does. I can't work out how it does. They've obfuscated it as many steps as possible. So you you can't buy directly the ability to open loot boxes. But what you can do is you can play the game to unlock the ability to earn loot boxes, but only a certain number of loot boxes per day. Uh, because you, there's a limit to how many loot boxes you can open, but you can use real money to buy an energy tank, which means that you can earn in-game more loot boxes. So you have paid money yeah. to earn the right to open more loot boxes. It is a fucking mess. 
in terms of monetization. And I'm not going to give this as as a defense. It is not a defense. For people who are curious, it is only cosmetic. Uh, it is purely cosmetic. There is not gameplay rewards locked behind it that are going to change your ability to be good at the game. It washes the knot. But it does not change the fact that like, okay, okay. There's a Pokemon called Greninja that's sort of like a frog that's a bit of a ninja. It wears its tongue like a scarf. Yep. You, you can get an outfit for this Greninja that makes it dress up kind of like a Power Ranger. Right, that makes the game better. That's gameplay. Cosmetics are gameplay because they make the game better. I'll mention how that turned, what was it, uh, Scarlet Nexus into Game of the Year later, but... To finish my point, how much do you think it, it that it would cost real money to turn a frog ninja into a Power Ranger as a cosmetic upgrade. How, how much do you reckon that DLC costs? I mean, I wouldn't pay more than a buck for any of it. Like, it should be 50 cents, but I wouldn't pay more than a buck for any costume. I'm going to point upwards and let you have another go? Another, another go? Yeah. All right, let's go with a standard standard costume price I've seen in some games. Let's go at around $5.99. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point upwards oh, and suggest okay. you guess again. <laughs> It's not over 10, is it? It is over 10. I'm pointing upwards. Keep guessing. Is this one costume? <laughs> for one costume. Oh, for one no. Pokemon. And this doesn't even come with the Pokemon. You have to unlock the Pokemon in-game separately or pay money for it to unlock it. 15? Oh, I'm pointing upwards. Keep going. No! No, this hurts now. Laura, this hurts <laughs> inside. It's 20 pounds. Oh, my bones. 20, 20 pounds for a outfit for your frog ninja that makes them look like a Power Ranger. That's 20 pounds for one outfit for one character. Every single fibre of my being heard what you said and burned. I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know the lower end as well. You know, not all of the costumes are that expensive. If you want to put a Snorlax in a little uh, pair of swimming goggles and a big flotation ring, that's only going to cost you £8. <laughs> that's the cheap end is £8 real money. Okay, the game isn't safe for children. No! No, uh, I was streaming this. I was streaming this earlier, and um, the lovely Phoenix, who people may know uh, from me doing smooches on or from Steph's stream sometimes, was like, "Oh, this looks great! It's a MOBA that looks like safe for children to play. Kids' dad plays League of Legends. This would be a way for you know dad and child to bond, you know." And then the monetization came up, and it was like, "Oh." Oh, oh no. It's a way for dad to, to, to tell the child, don't ever fucking touch my credit card again. Yeah, yeah. And you know what really fucking sucks? There's a fun game behind it, but I cannot fucking recommend it. Like, behind it is a, like, I'm not going to get into too many specifics. If you are someone who knows you are perfectly, incorruptibly fine to play a free-to-play game with this kind of aggressive bullshit in it, and not feel the need to spend money, and for you, you know you can do that. The game in here is fun. There is a simple MOBA, it, it very much follows a lot of the standards of the genre, but you, as you defeat minions, you level up, you get new moves, you evolve, you do all the things you would do in Pokemon, but you're also sort of 
collecting things to to sort of push through the the various towers towards the back of the board. There is some neat stuff they do to do with um, movement speed, depending on how far into the, the enemy side you've pushed. It's a game I wish I could recommend, but God, I have never known a Nintendo affiliated game be this horrendous with monetization. Jesus. Those mobile games were a staging ground. Yeah, well, I mean, this is going to be a mobile game a few months from now. They are waiting, that like, the mobile build isn't ready for a few months, but you can feel this is first and foremost designed for the mobile market. And it's one of those games that has, like, a dozen different things going on at any one time that could sort of make you think, oh, I, I should spend money. There's a leveling system where you get rewards, fine, but there's also a battle pass, which is a separate thing, and there are free rewards on the battle pass, but there are also rewards that you only get if you have paid for the battle pass. But they show them on the same battle pass, so as you level up through the battle pass, it'll be like, ah, oh, see all these things with locks in them? You earned those, but you can't have them because you haven't paid for the battle pass. If you pay for the battle pass, you'll instantly unlock all of the, those things because you've already made it this far up the battle pass. Yeah. Like, clearly there to have fear of missing out and go, oh, now if I pay money, I'll get all of these things that I earned. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. It's it's what the battle passes do. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I did a video on those years ago and I was like, you watch. You watch them take the piss with these battle passes. Yeah. Battle pisses. Like, the first item on the paid battle pass is a cosmetic skin for Pikachu. Great. Cool-looking cosmetic skin. Except you don't, as a default, get Pikachu as a permanent character. So the feeling I got playing this was, oh, so you've paid for the battle pass. Now you've got a Pikachu skin. Oh, but I don't have Pikachu as 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 a permanent character, but I have this skin, so I really want to have them as permanent character. The Pokemon company know at this point, if you've paid for the battle pass, you are someone who is likely to spend money and, oh, well, maybe I'll just pay for Pikachu as well rather than waiting to unlock them. And, like, that's clearly the pipeline they're trying to push. You can pay real money to have a premium version of the paid battle pass that starts you... You know, they don't tell you how far up this uh, 40-step battle pass you'll go, but they're like, oh yeah, pay us twice as much, and we'll start you uh, several levels ahead. Mm -hmm. It's not very far at all up it pushes you. You've paid double to skip some of the earliest levels that are going to be the quickest to get past of the battle pass. Yeah, this is classic shit. Like, they've jumped in with both feet on this. And then you have the option to, if you want to skip the grind even more, if you want that uh, really cool pirate outfit for Cinderace that's at level 40 on the battle pass, but you don't want to play the game to get to that. Or the battle pass season's nearly over. Rush, rush, rush. Tick tock. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can pay real money to <gasps> skip ahead levels in the battle pass. Oh, thank God. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna put the, the maths on the table for you. If you wanted to buy your way from zero to the end of the battle pass without doing any play, by buying the premium top end battle pass and then also paying your way to the end of the battle pass, do you want to know how much it would cost you? How much? £68. £68. Yep. (sighs) For one battle pass. Fucking hell. Just fucking hell. Yeah. Fucking hell. Fuck. 
shit inside my pants, fuck. If this game had been like, hey, look, free to play, much like many MOBAs, you either have to play with the randomly provided character of the week or either unlock or buy additional characters uh, a la carte to have, wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. If it had been here as a paid season pass, but you can play without it, wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. Neither would have been great, but I'd have been like, okay, yeah, I can see it. This has just put every monetization in and put them in in the most confusing ways possible. Yeah. To obfuscate the spending you're doing. And I want to just sit and talk about the mechanics because there's really interesting mechanics in there, but I can't I can't recommend this game to most people. This is part of why there's the whole, oh, just enjoy games, just talk about the game bit. Like, this was one of the issues I had. I've talked about this, like, at The Escapist with Defy Media and that. When you review games, don't let's not talk about the business side, you know? Because it's so bad and you can't, if you actually want to do your job of covering a game, you can't help but talk about the monetization first and foremost. It determines how the game's designed. Yeah, here's the thing. It feels so unnecessary because there are so many places in here where it's like, that seems like a relatively fair method of monetization if it was the only type. But it's just layers and layers and layers of it that are designed to go, no matter what way you try and engage with this, we're gonna keep reminding you. If you're listening to this and you're a person, as I said at the start, who's like, oh, I I know myself, I will 100% be fine with, you know, playing this and, you know, not spending money if you know that you're that person. I mean, this is, the video game in there is is fun, but it's not fun enough that I would tell people risk getting caught in a predatory economy over it. Yeah. <laughs> if that is in any way a risk for you. I know it is for me. And it's fucking dire and sad that we have to talk about games designed for kids in terms of risk factor, which I'm sure like people that want to defend this shit will be like, ah, just like Jack Thompson. And it's like, I do sometimes think, am I just old and done cool now that I think gambling in a video game for kids is bad? <laughs> is that what's good now? Is yeah. that what the kids like now? Do they like bankrupting their parents? Is that good? Is that what's in with the youth? I just... I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing this game could have done scummy with microtransactions and didn't. There's only one thing I found in here where I was like, you missed a trick to be worse. Okay, so the way this game works is that like certain characters will be available to you as like, you can use this character this week and then next week you can have some different characters to use for free. You know, earn the character if you want to have them permanently. The cosmetic shop has characters that you may not have as permanently available characters. I genuinely assumed it would let me buy the costume without having the character and then sometimes just not be able to use the costume because I didn't have the character. It 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 doesn't let you buy the costumes unless you have the character. Right. That is the that's only something. thing I found where I was like, that's the only place, the only place you could have been worse. They were They were right up there. What have you played this week, Steph? Uh, well, I've been playing uh, Pokemon Unite. Yeah? Yeah, well, yeah. In, in the last ten minutes. Uh, I, ju I had to check it out. Yeah. I'm only on the tutorial, though, so I can't say anything about it. But, I mean, it looks, like you said, like mechanically pretty decent. But I need to dig into that store. But I tell you what, right? 
want to talk about how cosmetics, because I forgot to list this before we recorded, how cosmetics, uh, I believe, are a form of or part of the gameplay. Yeah. Scarlet Nexus has become the best game I've ever played. (laughs) Because... Now I'm wearing a giant thing's head on my head. <laughs> yes. You can yes. dress your characters up stupid, and they will even be in the cutscenes looking stupid brilliant. Best game I've ever played. No, it's all right. It's a good game. It's a lovely when a game allows you to unlock the cosmetic options within gameplay without money being involved in that. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a collector's edition. They probably got some shit in there, but I got my big thing's head... I can't even describe what it is. It's like a mascot, but it's it's no animal I know. But you can get all sorts of stuff, uh, and that automatically got me more engaged with the game because that's that's how effective cosmetics are. They wouldn't ha- they wouldn't sell them for money if they had no value to the game. Yeah, I I agree. I would be having more fun with Pokemon Unite if my Greninja looked like a Power Ranger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If there was a way to earn your way towards that without paying money, then, you know, that gets you more invested in the game. But they don't want you more invested in the game. They want you more invested in the game. There might be a way to earn it without money, but there's a currency I can't work out how to get. There's a mysterious <laughs> other currency I've yet to work out what what you get it for. And clearly it's got to be very rare because, like, you only need, like, three of this other currency that isn't the paid microtransaction currency to, to get the cosmetic costume. And I'm like, where the fuck do we get that? God damn. Like, you know, I've seen this in mobile games as well. It's like a, a spider's web economy. Just this maze of transactions. Uh, it's it's vile and manipulative. But yeah, yeah, I've been playing more Scarlet Nexus and it's good. I've realised with some of the, the timing, like I've nailed... Not nailed, but my issues with the dodging. It's a little better now that I've gotten more used to it and into the flow. One thing I've noticed is uh, when you throw something at an enemy and then you time a a melee attack to carry on, dealing like effective damage, I've realized it's a lot easier to just start smashing the, the attack button while you're doing the psychokinesis. That way I can actually do it. Mm. But I like it. It's interesting that they're trying to put this persona-style familiarity and character-building and RPG stuff into it. Because it doesn't quite work, because the action is good enough that it would prop the whole game up if they made something tighter with it. So often it's like, I want to care, but I would rather throw a lamppost at a particularly leggy vase. And there's just a lot of stuff to get through to get to that. And that's great if someone has dreamed of this stylish action game that's also Persona. I don't know how big that market is, but I know that the game's very popular. So whether that's people slogging through the slow stuff to get to the action or people who just love the whole thing, I don't know. But hey, I would still, you know, it's it's recommendable for sure. Um, Someone wants an action game. I'd say that's one you could look at. Yeah. Which is as far as I ever go with recommendations. I won't tell anyone to buy a game, but I will say that that's one you could look at. You could look at that game. You could look at that. You could look the heck out of that game, friend. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Shikars. So I played Offworld Trading Company because Epic gave it away for free. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll play that. 
and I haven't played an RTS in a long time. I, I don't tend to favor them because I'm very, very bad at them. But when they said this was an economic RTS, I was like, I like economics. They frustrate me. I'll play this. And it's cool. It's pacing is interesting. Like, it's not combat focused. It's it's really all, you know how when you would play Warcraft, you could just, if you just hung back and built up, you could eventually just overrun your opponent. That's what I like to do. It's why I'm terrible at risk. Right. I won't risk. So this feels, for, it feels like build. It just feels like build a lot. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, something will happen that will make life more difficult for you, or you can get an opportunity to make life more difficult for an opponent. And you just generate resources and find ways to maximize profit from them. It has the right tone, like in that it is um, sort of bald faced in its acknowledgement of what you're doing here in building these businesses to support space colonies Mm -hmm. and thereby exploit them for profit. Doesn't make any bones about what that is. Does uh, question it a little bit, but then, you know, is evil capitalist about it. And so I can respect the tone. Also, I did really appreciate, because there's a lot of inspiration from other types of economic-based simulations and things like that. And uh, in particular... This one does derive inspiration from Mule, which is the classic like 1980s game of resource acquisition and management in a foreign world. And they do a nice little nod to that in the tutorial, mentioning the the developer by name. And um, that was nice. I liked to see that. That made me happy. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fun game. I like it. It's no longer free by the time you're hearing this. So... I hope you got it there or, you know, but it's worth looking at. I like it. I might try it multiplayer someday if I can find someone to do that with. That's not an invitation, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. Oh, I've got a slightly self-promoting thing I've played this week. Oh, I know this. I saw it. You look good. Yeah. So like four years or so ago, back in, oh gosh, five years ago, back in 2016, I think, uh, might be in 2017. An indie developer started putting together a game called Paranormal, which I talked about a little bit at the time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, cards on the table. I do not make any money off of this, but the the game contains a character loosely based on me that shares some of my appearance and name and stuff. So, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the game more generally before getting onto the, here's how it's about me. <laughs> Paranormal is a visual novel dating sim about a... Paranormal Investigation Club. I really, really like the game outside of the fact that it includes me. It has some really interesting, nice little touches to it that a lot of visual novels don't make the effort to go to that I I really like. All of the 2D character art is slightly animated so that like you're not just getting static images of people. They are moving a little bit, uh, keeping some movement in the scene, which is really nice. There are some really nice investigation scenes set up throughout the game to give a bit more gameplay than just click through text and make choices. Every time your little investigation club goes to a location, you will have a set number of actions in which to look around the scene, try and find things to interact with, ask your party members about them, hope that that gives you more information, see if that helps you work something out to progress, and... 
usually it won't stop you progressing through the game or not, but you might get a really cool additional scene if you can work out, like, ah, oh, heck, I found all the clues and I can get through that gate before it's time to head home, and oh, there's something spooky happened behind there, I'm glad I'll work that mystery out. The game is in five chapters, and, like, if you're really pushing through it, you can get through, like, a chapter in about half an hour, um, maybe closer to an hour if you're taking your time, but... I very much enjoy the writing. I really like the the core mystery going on. Mm-hmm. But then also, there is a character based on me, and there are also characters based on uh, Mari and Stacy, who you may have known from having guested on this podcast in the past, and being on Pixel Squirt, that video game porn podcast I do, and Mari being on Dice Funk with me. So, the character of Laura that is in this game... Certainly not a one-to-one recreation of me or anything, but the developer has done a really good job of making a character for this sort of visual novel dating sim type game that captures a lot of things that I have experienced that I wanted to see portrayed in a character that aren't often done in these kind of games. This game, I've played it through start to finish, I've seen all of the content involving my character, and... I think that the developer has done a really, really commendably good job of capturing the experience of being a nervous autistic trans girl trying to navigate social situations and relationship dynamics. And I'm really, really proud of the story that's been told there. So, yeah, you should check out Paranormal. It's a thing. It's out now. It's on itch.io. It's spelt like paranormal, but with... P-A-I-R at the start, because dating sims, pairs. Decent pun. It's a decent pun, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's on itch.io. Uh, it's available, pay what you want. Obviously, bit of bit of self-promotion because it is a thing that has me attached to it, but I'm very, I'm very proud of the way that this game handles mental health and gender and sexuality, and I've played through a little bit of some of the other paths through the game involving other characters, and they tackle other different mental health-related uh, experiences in really tasteful ways. And I very much enjoy it outside of the fact that, ah, it's me on screen. So that's that's a thing I played this week. Very good. Yeah. What, what about you? Have you played anything else, Steph? Me? Yeah, I've been replaying Greedful, of all things. Because the PS5 update is out for it, and I had it on PS4, uh, so I thought, well, I'll give it another go. Fuck here now. I want to like that game so much, but God, most of the missions are run here, talk to someone, run there, talk to someone, run back, talk to the same person again, and then run fucking back. It's just running around like it's fucking Shenmue. And then a bit of action happens, and it's like, oh, brilliant, except for the guy yelling about the poison on his blade. And then it's back to just backtracking and talking to people. And by the time there was literally a dialogue where my character was asking where sailors were, I couldn't help but fucking laugh. (laughs) And and that experience put in shinier graphics doesn't make it suddenly a good experience now? No, it doesn't. I'm still playing it. It's got enough RPGness to it where you just play on compulsion. It's literally something to do at the moment. But, God, I roll my eyes so hard at it. And and the the maps are often designed to have, like, dead ends and shit. Um, it just feels so unnecessarily tedious. Like the one bit where you go into a mine, walk past these miners 
try and open a gate and it doesn't open. You walk all the way back, talk to one of the miners at the entrance who has something to open the gate. Didn't think to mention it when we walked past the bastard. Oh. What was the point of it? What did that do? What did that do for the video game Greedful developed by Spiders, published by Focus Home Interactive? What, what did that add to my experience? Yeah. Right? That's all I've got to say about it. It's a good game. When the game happens, <laughs> I can throw little poison bottles. It's pretty good. Don't make me run back and forth so much. Uh, what about what about you, comrade? You played anything else this week? Uh, I did play one other thing. Uh, it's called Geometry Arena. <gasps> I saw you play Ooh. that on stream. I wasn't like in the chat like and that, but you were on my telly, ah. and I looked up one bit because I was playing like just on a little. My little handheld thing. Not that sounded wrong. Um, <laughs> but I was looking down playing probably like, I don't know, Sonic or something. I look up and the build you had was <laughs> hilarious. I look away for a moment. I come back and wow. Yeah. So this game is, I think, premised on the idea of creating ridiculous builds. Mm -hmm. the way it, it, it sort of has a geometry worse thing and it's on pc and it's it doesn't have good controller implementation which bothers me a lot and the way i wound up playing it is i was holding the controller in one hand to use the left analog stick and the trigger on the left side which would activate the special ability and then aiming and shooting with the mouse which it was fine but it's a wave-based shoot-'em-up. You get to start by selecting a class and a color, and these determine what your base attack type is like. And then from there, you complete waves of enemies, and between waves go into a shop and spend the currency that you receive from killing enemies on upgrades. The shop refreshes after every wave. You can also buy refreshes with some of the currency in increasing uh, for increasing values. But as you go along, that shop is very easy to break in some ways because there's a lot of power-ups that you can get that will expand the size of a shop with a legendary power-up. And a legendary power-up is always something crazy. And a lot of those affect the shop. Like every time you buy a legendary power-up, uh, your next reroll is free. Some legendary power-ups will reroll the shop and everything in that reroll is free. Uh, when you buy an object from the shop, it's replaced with a basic item. So now you're not even rerolling so much to get just damage bonuses, accuracy bonuses, range increases, fire rate increases for dirt cheap. And it stacks so quickly. Eventually it did reach the point because there are stats along the left-hand side for, you know, all your DPS and your crit rate and all. And I'm crit rating at 400%. Fucking hell. Right? And so I'm always critting. Well, then there's an upgrade that says, oh, well, that excess crit rate, that gets translated into crit damage now. Oh. So there's a reason for you to keep upping your crit rate. <laughs> and it goes on. By the time I had reached something like wave 41, I think I got to 43 at the end there before it finally blew me up. Because the other thing you can do is increase the difficulty anytime you want. There's 18 difficulty settings. You can increase, but you can't go back down. 
And everyone increases a bunch of stats, but also increases the amount of money that you get. Mm -hmm. By the time I was done, I had a bullet stream that was firing very fast at, I think, 50% or no, at 10%, it would split into two shots. And then again, at 50%, it would split again into two shots. Um, And then I would bounce off walls with these, I think, four times. So basically, I was just firing a beam that was ricocheting off and bouncing and just creating geometric patterns of death on the screen. Mm-hmm. And numbers everywhere, indicating where I was hitting enemies as they were spawning in, because the difficulty was so high that there would have been nowhere for me to move if I could have had control of my movement anyway, because the recoil was moving me around and I couldn't see where I was. It was ridiculous and very fun the interface is rough around the edges for sure i would like a controller scheme that you know had a radius around the character that you aimed in rather than it manually moving the cursor Mm -hmm. with the right analog but that's my only complaint there's multiple uh difficulty modes and there's a standard thing that's like 25 stages with bosses and then that unlocks an endless that then unlocks another mode at 40 wave 40 and on and on uh there's a a bunch in there to unlock and expand and level and a bunch of different character types to choose from that you can unlock there's a lot for very little and it is fun to just blow it up and you can So, yeah, it's cool. I would check it out. Geometry Arena. It will be on sale for a couple of days after when this releases, I think. But it's for like less than five bucks. But I think it's only seven normally. It's really not expensive and it's it's good. That sounds really neat. It's neat. Yeah, it looked fun. Oh, uh, it does have some uh, color stuff that's as opposed to Snake RX where uh, color blindness could be a real problem. This... There are colors involved, but I don't think that it's actually necessary in play. You just have to, you'd struggle a little bit to select which of the effects in the menu you want, but you could highlight over them and it'll tell you what they do. So it's not that big a deal. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I've played this week is I've been playing Skyward Sword HD on the Switch. Mm. I continue to really love Skyward Sword in spite of its many flaws. It has fewer of them now. Fee shuts the hell up and doesn't talk to you unless you press a button to make her talk, usually, Mm -hmm. which is nice. She's not there constantly pretending to be a computer and waffling on and on and on and on. And they no longer have the whole thing where every single time you find a green rupee after closing the game, it tells you what a green rupee is, as if you've never had one before. So that's good. It's really weird that the fast travel is locked behind that amiibo. That's weird. That's bullshit. But the motion controls have been working really nicely in my experience. I've been enjoying continuing to do that. For anyone wondering about the non-motion control mode for that, It is functionally alright, and it is about as good as you could really hope for for a game that was designed to be a motion-controlled game. So the the deal is, is that you flick the right stick in a direction to swing your sword in that direction. The thing that you have to practice is, it has to be a very quick movement in that direction to register as a slash. 
if it is too long of a movement in that direction, it's just you slowly moving the sword over that way as if you were pointing it there. You have to make a sort of flicking motion with the stick, which takes a little practice to go, this is how it wants me to move the stick to register it. Additionally, if you're playing in non-motion control mode, in order to move the camera, because your right stick is being taken up by swinging the sword, you have to hold down the left bumper to make the right stick turn into camera control. It's not ideal, it's not super elegant, it does the job it takes some getting used to. I wish there was a way to turn that into a, into a toggle rather than a hold, because 90% of the time when you're playing that game, it would be totally fine for that to be a just a camera stick without you holding anything down and just toggle it to sword mode when you want to do sword, or maybe have an option where it only becomes sword controls when you uh, hold down the lock-on button. That might have worked. But still one of my favourite Zelda games. I really like the whole, all of the overworld is basically dungeon design. I very much enjoy the characters. Groose and Girahim are the best two Zelda characters to have ever existed. And it is a crime that they do not feature in every single Zelda game now. But yeah, have, having, having fun with that. Uh, is that everything we've all played this week? I think so. Uh, well, in that case, let me find some newsy things. I have a question quickly. Yeah. I have had a look at this store on this Pokemon Unite. Yeah. There does appear to be in-game items that you can buy with real money. It's just called Items in the Emporium. And I'm seeing things like Grant's Shield and Raises Attack. So my understanding is... All of those are also unlockable as you play? Right. Oh, no, I can see they've got the bullshit free currency as well. But I can definitely see why someone tweeted me today. Like, I asked earlier about the pay-to-win. I see why someone mentioned that to me. That's fair. I'm still trying to get my head around what is and is not what in that. Yeah, so I'm trying to double check, yeah, because you'd never know. Yeah, it is a convoluted mess of a thing. Yeah, but clicking through without the required currency has taken me to... Aos gems, which go up to the usual buck to a hundred bucks. Yeah, you are probably correct because this game does not seem to shy away from anything in regards to gross microtransaction behaviour. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. I was doing my best to wrap my head around what everything in there was and there was definitely stuff I was missing. Christ. Like, I'm just looking at it and just despairing. Yeah. Sorry, go, c continue. Uh, so we got Ubisoft news again this week. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, the, it, that continues to be a thing. French Game Workers Union sues Ubisoft for institutional sexual harassment. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this is from a story from PC Gamer that uh, published a few days ago. A new filing by the Solidaires Informatique Union in France names multiple former executives, Yves Guillemot, and the company as a whole in their uh, in in their lawsuit. In June 2020, dozens of testimonies emerged on social media, quickly backed by articles from various uh, French uh, outlets. On the 15th of July this year, a complaint was filed at the Bojini Criminal Court by Maud Beckers, representing the union as well as several victims of the company. The people who've been specifically mentioned, many of whom you will know from this show, we have talked about them in the last year, Tommy Francois, Serge Hasseket, Serge Hasseket's assistant, Cecile Cornette, 
several unnamed individuals from the Human Resources Department for having actively participated in covering up and hiding the harasser's actions, and Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, not for any specific allegations, but because as CEO, he is responsible for what happens within the company. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know exactly how much he knew, but like he was friends with these people. I think that that's perhaps the most interesting, because like I could go through the rest of these. It's all the... It's the allegations we heard last year. I'm glad to see that this lawsuit is attempting to hold Yves Guillemot accountable for what has happened under his company's leadership. It's about time someone did. Yes, so the the complaint targets Ubisoft for institutional sexual harassment, for establishing, maintaining, and reinforcing a system where sexual harassment is tolerated, because keeping harassers in place is deemed more profitable for the company than protecting employees, the harassment tolerated and done by the upper echelons of the company, protected by the Human Resources Department, has created a company-wide system. Beyond the list of people mentioned above, the action seeks to dismantle the dynamics of this system. Correct, that is what needs to happen. Yep, pretty much. This lawsuit is basically exactly what we've been saying for months needs to happen. There needs to be some kind of actual systemic change at this company. Several of the people who suspiciously quit and got to keep all their stock options last year are being sued in this lawsuit, so this has not protected them from legal action. The reason that it's taken them a year to file this lawsuit is simply because they've spent the last year collecting evidence and testimonies for the case. Oh, so perhaps there's an overwhelming volume of evidence to support this case and it took a while to get through? Yeah, it almost seems like maybe there was criminal behavior and there might be evidence of it and maybe the fact that no one got arrested the day that these allegations happened doesn't mean that nothing happened. I mean, it's also, you know, a fact that these cases are incredibly difficult to win and you need to yeah. <laughs> have a really strong case to support it. Yeah, it's it's almost like they would have to be very confident to make the step they have made here by, by bringing this lawsuit. Institutional sexual harassment is a charge that is very rarely seen in court in France, and the lawyer wanted to have the strongest complaint possible. We consider that the changes made by Ubisoft are superficial, The situation inside the company hasn't changed much, and we hope the evolution of the case will also keep bringing attention to it and keep putting pressure on Ubisoft to commit to change. Yeah, I mean, it's what needs to happen. Welcome aboard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good to have you. God bless. I've been desperate for some people that can hold them to account to hold them to account. Yeah. Uh, So that's that's that story. Steph, do you want to tell us about this this warehouse of, of PS4s and what that whole story's about, because I suspect right. you were aware of this one. I'm, I'm a little bit aware of this one. They found a warehouse with about 3,800 PS4s in it. <laughs> they thought it, at first it was a crypto thing, but it turns out they, it may very well have been a FIFA coin farm. Farming for FIFA coins for the hit video game series FIFA... Uh, and it's FUT, FUT, Ultimate Team Mode, which is just a gambling thing. It's propped up by loot boxes. You get your football players randomly. It is one of the scummiest things in the world in terms of, of monetization. Uh, children have, have, you know, emptied parents' bank accounts on this shit. You know, they've just put a lot of people in debt with FIFA and they say it's okay because people have fun with their surprise mechanics. And it's such a a shitty, grinding, 
horrible economy that it's created its own black market where people farm for the in-game currency, the free shit, and sell that to people because it's more valuable than spending money on the actual game. And that's what this farm was. It was mass farming of FIFA coins to sell to people who would rather not go through the loot box system on their own dime. And if not for the fact that that kind of scam is shady enough that it can harm customers, I would be all for it. Because fuck EA, fuck its disgusting economy. It deserves to be completely undermined, if not completely dismantled and destroyed. Actually, it deserves to be completely dismantled and destroyed. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that whole story. Yeah, it's just, it, it's such a ridiculous world we live in that we've got FIFA black markets. That's, EA created that. They have helped to make the world just that little bit more ridiculous. It's in the game. <laughs> Fuck you, Pikachu. Fucking get in my business. <laughs> Dunk 20 points. Thank you. Uh, are you playing the game with the bad microtransactions? Yeah, I mean, I've got to. I've got to see how bad this is. Yeah, yeah, the it's it's pretty fucking gross. Valve are making a portable handheld machine for playing video games yes. in, in your hands. Yes, they are. This this got announced and put up for pre-order basically just after last week's episode of the podcast recorded. It is called the Steam Deck, not to be confused with the Stream Deck, the popular device that streamers use for having buttons to control their streams. That's it's not the Stream Deck, this is the Steam Deck. Yeah, it's a shit name. It's a it's a weird naming choice in that for the first couple of hours after its announcement, if you typed in Steam Deck, Google was going, did you mean Stream Deck and trying to point to a right? different product yep. instead of Valve's newly announced gaming handheld? Hmm. Yeah, so for anyone who didn't catch the, the story on this, it's being sold apparently at a, at a loss. We don't know much about the performance of this device uh, outside of a IGN video where they were sort of invited to Valve's offices and gave some accounts of how some games ran and the screen is 720p so it's the same screen resolution as the switch but it is running pc games uh like relatively modern pc games like say control at 60 frames a second medium or high pc settings which is that's that sounds like pretty good performance for a for a, for a handheld they're starting at like $399, I think. So, like, about 100 more than the Switch. And then the other models basically just have faster or more storage on them, from what I understand. There's a few interesting bits of the story. The system runs Linux, or a, a custom Steam OS that is based on Linux, which a lot of people initially were like, oh god, does this mean this thing is going to have absolutely terrible game compatibility? And no, it seems like it can run PC software with very little technical overhead. Valve is putting a lot of, of money behind various architectures and software to go make PC game run on Linux without a big resource hit. And if they can pull that off, that's going to be quite impressive and will hopefully open up gaming on Linux devices a lot more to other people. But yeah, it's a powerful gaming handheld. A few people have tried to do this, but... Valve's got the Valve name, yeah. so there's, there's probably the one that'll get attention. Valve's got the name, they've got the platform, they have a history of creating an environment of support technically. They have the plant, but we have the power. 
Simpsons joke. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, this is uh, much like how I, I felt with VR. If <laughs> if Valve wants to commit to actually doing this, they could succeed. Yeah, I don't. It's just a question of what their commitment level is. I've got one on reserve. Yeah, I figured I might as well. Yeah, I I, I put down the four, four four quid or whatever it was to reserve one because I'll I'll give this thing a look. I like playing games in a handheld form factor, and you know all of my moaning about put this on the Switch, put this on the Switch. Why is it not on the Switch? Put it on the Switch. Yeah, this might stop me complaining about put everything on the Switch. It would solve a lot. Uh, one thing I like is that um. Did either of you ever use the Steam controller when that came out? I tried. <laughs> yeah. I had a go. I really like the Steam controller as a controller for emulating mouse input. Mm. For things where that is necessary. It is a great controller for games that never got controller support or rebinding support. And you want to somehow play with a controller. It was great for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad to see that returning on the Steam Deck. Uh, the um, the sort of trackpad-y pretend to be a mouse things that is wonderful that's great i'm very glad to see that back i was a big fan of that tech but yeah let let me play pc games on a handheld so that i can stop moaning about people putting more stuff on the switch top player top player i'm the top player nice well done you best at this horrible soulless game go use your free coins in the shop which will make you look at uh, how much other things you could have if you had the the gems oh yeah yeah i can't wait to fear missing out exactly because you can't go spend your regular coins without being reminded you could be spending gems yeah fucking hell it sucks because there's a there's a fun game under there yeah somewhere yeah uh... it was enjoyable like what i've just been playing was enjoyable enough you you can see why i say if you're someone who knows that they are like fine at ignoring the bullshit in these things there's a fun game in here that i just can't recommend and yeah i can't i won't be able if i get too into this i will have to stop yeah because i feel the pull of that shit even someone is adamantly against that shit like the way my brain works i can idly spend something without thinking yeah like you you can see why i had to open this with the monetization it's it's there yeah you remember last year there was that big leak of Nintendo information that we got like, ah, oh, here's a bunch of prototypes and here's a bunch of unreleased builds and a bunch of like really interesting stuff from their history. Stuff's still being found from that. Mm. So this week's update on that was, here's a bunch of like prototype designs of what the Wii remote could have looked like. Mm. None of them are hugely different, but like it's really interesting just to go through and look at a lot of the revisions of how these things are sort of updated and changed over time. There were options where, like, there was going to be a D-pad at the bottom instead of the 1 and 2 buttons, or the A button might have been surrounded by a big sort of circular dial, or the plus and minus buttons could have been a pause and a back button. It's just interesting to have a look through, because so rarely do companies openly talk about the process of getting to final hardware. I just wanted to point people at that, because it's a really interesting thing to have a look at and a think about. Uh, Comrade, you put a story in here about EA. Did I? Yeah, you did. Oh, I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Uh, How did you forget about yeah, this? I don't care. Because <laughs> I, I don't care. I mean, I should care, because 
So there is seemingly some sort of ransom attack being perpetrated on EA. If this forum post that has been screen capped or a couple of forum posts that have been screen capped and posted to Twitter are to be believed, um, which I have no reason not to believe them. They look convincing. <laughs> They're convincing, but it's a seemingly from a hacking group that claims to have captured a lot of user data on Sims and FIFA and are now threatening to release it publicly unless Electronic Arts gives them money. And I feel bad for anybody whose user data gets caught up in this. That's unfortunate. I don't have a lot of sympathy for EA. No, no sympathy for them, but it's shitty because it drags other people into it. That's my thinking on this. It's ungloatable, unfortunately. Right. I can't be happy <laughs> like, because there's going to be damage to real people, but it is happening, seemingly. They haven't provided any details on what they've actually asked of EA other than money, I guess. Yeah, can I have some money? But, but the specifics on how much or anything like that it isn't present in this set of screen captures. and Yeah. But yeah, uh... I mean, I don't play AAA games for a reason. I don't trust them. This is just another reason why you can't trust them. Yeah. Because you can't expect them to protect your data. Mm -mm. Yeah. Look, when, when this kind of stuff happens, I'm always like, look, if all you do is you leak company information that's like, ah, here's what they're working on and here's this and here's that, like, yeah, sure, fleece the corporations. It sucks when it involves, like, people who are not responsible for their shitty decisions. Now, they have said they're not going to release console user data, so... Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're not going to release any user data. Yeah, well, yeah, no, of course. Of course, they're threatening to release user data. That's what they have. And, and you know, it's not entirely clear to me that that's not just an empty threat anyway, because they don't have it. <laughs> like... <sighs> So yeah, that I think that's everything for this week. Is that it? I think it is. I think that's it. It's, it's a nice, nice, concise week this week. Nice and concise. But if people want a sprawl of content, I know you've <gasps> got a veritable banquet table of the stuff, Laura. I do. I've got so much content you wouldn't believe. Uh, you can find all my stuff at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Every Friday, I put, uh, upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. I got books. Uncomfortable Labels. That's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That's out now. Gender Euphoria. That's out now. I've got podcasts. Pixel Squirt. That's one about video game porn. Uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about the things I do in the week that aren't video games all the time. I've also got a protest coming up. Hey, if you're in the UK and you want to show up and support trans rights, August 6th, 1pm, outside Downing Street in London. Uh, for about three hours, we're having a trans rights protest right right near where, where that Prime Minister lives and having a big shout about making things better for trans people. Hell yeah. So come, come along to that. Uh, I'm also on Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's a real play podcast. We play through stories. Each season's its own story, so you can jump in wherever. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Conrad, you used to be on um, Dice Funk. Uh, I did. I did used to be on Dice Funk, but you can find me now on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. 
You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You could buy audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do gets uh, supported online at the Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And, and you know who else has a Patreon? Why, it's James Stephanie Sterling. That's me. Don't worry about it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. You can go on there. That supports everything. Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling is where I do stuff on Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. And I don't think I can talk about my next wrestling thing I'm working on. The next public thing I'm doing, I think, is if I can get up there, is uh, York PA again, August 13th for SWO. Um, I still need to confirm it, though, because Katie might not be able to drive me so we'll see oh polyam cult party woodstock august 28th as well so we'll have news on that he has asked me to do streaming again and pray to god i get enough details (laughs) but hey august 28th that's should be fucking excellent so that's that that really is that thank you all so much for listening for coming along did you mention the gymporium oh (gasps) shit Mention it now, go! It's the gymporium.com. Uh, it's a merch store. You've got t shirts on there. We've got buttons and lovely pin, really lovely pin, and embroidery patches if you want those, and some old stuff still left. We've got some pogs, um, stirdust pin if you want to be really throwbacky. Uh, hey, it's there, and you can look at it at the gymporium.com. And if the site tells you that it doesn't ship worldwide, like it doesn't ship to your area, it does. Email us. There's a contact thing um, on the on the page, and I'm working to get that sorted out because a person from Shopify was a fan and said, "Hey, I can fix this, maybe." Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah, we'll we'll see yeah. if we can get it fixed. And that's that. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>